what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. Internet travelers, and welcome once again to the Before and After Show. As always, I'm your co-host, MJ Smith. I am your other co-host, Ryan Buell. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Good to be back. Yep. Uh, now that the dust has settled on Jason Bourne's latest path of destruction, uh. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Pete's Dragon. Yay! But before we get into that, uh, have you been watching anything this week? Dude, I'm sad to say I haven't seen Jack in the oh. last few days. So, to you... <laughs> Okay, um, I saw quite a bit of stuff this last week. Um, I saw Suicide Squad, which you can hear me yell about over on our YouTube channel. <laughs> Let's see, what else? I saw I, I saw a movie called Green Room. Oh, is that the one with Patrick Stewart? Yes. Was it good? It was good. It's pretty intense. So mm. Green Room is about a, group, a punk rock band who is desperate for money at the end of their tour. So they take a gig at a neo-Nazi club. As one does. Yeah. I mean, they're a punk band and, you know, Nazis love punk music. Um, and so they take this gig and the guitarist ends up witnessing a murder. And so they lock the band in the green room and just start killing fools. Oh. Yeah. Uh, it's got Anton Yelchin in it, who it's one of his last performances because he recently passed away, mm. um, unfortunately, at the age of 27 Dang. or 28, something like that, uh, you know, in a freak car accident. Uh, he played Chekhov in That's the right. new Star That's Trek right. films. Yeah, um, but it's also got Patrick Stewart, and Patrick Stewart plays the leader of these skinheads, and he is great. Uh, he's so great. Uh, he is, he's, he just plays it with this just calm sense of everything's going to be okay. Yeah. But also everything is boiling right under the surface for me. Yeah. And could come out at any minute. Now, did he ask for tea, Earl Grey, <laughs> no. pot? Dang it. No, he didn't. <laughs> he actually kind of attempts an American accent. Yeah? Yeah, kind of. I think. I'm not sure. I He's got... it was Irish in the movie. Maybe. Maybe the that's what it is. Okay. He's trying to do an accent that's not a Patrick Stewart accent. Oh, okay. But it's, it's pretty good. It is intensely gory. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, real gross, but mm. not exploitative. Like, it's not... The gore is there but it's not there for show it's supposed to make you feel gross like yeah. it's supposed to make you realize how heinous the stuff these neo-nazis are doing to these people and yeah. it works man does it work yeah but they're also very good special effects <laughs> so like even my wife who doesn't have who has this kind of aversion to gore she she can't she we were talking about the movie and she was like you know as much as i hated it they did a real good job making everything look just kind of meaty and ground up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. They oh. did. But yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty, pretty, intense. pretty intense. Yeah. Um, th one of the things I liked about it is that the people in the, the punk band in the situation acted like people. Mm -hmm. it, they weren't like horror movie stupid, but they weren't supremely intelligent either. They executed a lot of like 
half-baked plans. Okay. But only because you would understand, you could understand why they would come up with these plans and just kind of try to execute them on the fly and then watch everything hit the fan mm. and have it not work out for them. It made a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Green Room is worth watching if you've got a strong stomach uh, or if you really like Patrick Stewart and that outweighs the uh, yeah. intense score. He doesn't often play a villain, does he? No, it's the first time I can think of. I can. The only other time I can think of was he was in a Mel Gibson movie. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I gotta think of that. It's, it's Mel Gibson, Julia Roberts... Uh, a conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. He played the villain in a really small part. But mm-hmm. That's the only time I can think of him playing a villain. He yeah. did a good job in that. But. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's incredible in the movie. Um, yeah. And then, what else did I peep? I saw, I saw The Light, which oh. is the Tom Hiddleston, Hank Williams biopic. No. Um, it is, it's the story of Hank Williams, the country music singer. And it's just kind of boring. It just... The thing with biopics is they all have kind of the same formula, right? Yeah. Humble this, beginnings. Yeah. Makes good. Gets into drugs. Redemption. Or back death. On, yeah. Redemption or death. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, is kind of the arc of those also daddy issues slash early childhood trauma. Okay. That kind of stuff. And, you know, it hits all those beats, but it does nothing with them. It just kind of knows it has to hit all those beats. Mm. So it's particularly uninteresting. Hiddleston is incredible in it. Yeah. Um, he did all his own singing, but he doesn't, and he's got a really good old-timey country music voice. The problem is he doesn't have Hank Williams' voice. Hank Williams' voice had this whine to it, but not in a, but in this really heartbreaking whine, like the, the high lonesome sound that you hear associated with old-time country music. Yeah. That's what Hank Williams basically built his career on. And Hiddleston seems really almost scared to go into that territory for fear of not doing it justice. So mm. he's got a really solid voice, actually, a really solid singing voice, but it just it doesn't come off quite the way Hanks does. So not quite as good as, let's say, like Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. his, his yeah. version of Johnny Cash. So good, but not quite as faithful to how he right. uh, sang. Yes, but as as far as like the accent and stuff and that that goes, incredible. Um, mm. You know, I have a very strong ear for when people drop their accents, and I didn't notice it once over the course of the movie. He's a knockout performance surrounded by cardboard, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. So I don't think he's going to get any awards attention, even though the performance is really really solid. Mm. Uh, and then I saw Hail Caesar, which we talked about off mic, and yeah. might be my favorite movie of the year. You, you've made me want to go see it It's now. so good, man. It's a Coen <laughs> Brothers movie. It's about the old school 1950s studio system way of making films. And it's just great. Uh, it takes place post-World War II. So kind of at the beginning of the Cold War. Um, communism plays kind of a big role into it, particularly in there in the McCarthy era. And, and you know, all that is going on. Mm. It's just super solid. It follows the studio executive and just kind of the trials and tribulations he has to face throughout the day. Also, it equates into Jesus. That's the part I'm having trouble with. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense when you see the movie. All right. When you see the movie, you understand how, like, how the movie is drawing parallels between him and making him the Christ figure of the movie. Okay. And it's pretty great. Uh, it, Everyone is hilarious in it. It's got that, like, quirky, offbeat Coeniness to it, you know? Yeah. I think it pairs perfectly with O Brother, Where Art Thou? I would actually like to watch those back-to-back. Kind of see 
how they play against each other. Yeah, partially because George Clooney is... He's not playing quite the same character, but he's... There's still some similarities that kind of bleed over. Mm. He's playing... He, his character in this is a lot dumber than <laughs> than his character in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But That's saying something. He, yeah, yeah. I mean, at least at least his vocabulary in that movie is pretty uh, extensive. But yeah. in Hail Caesar, he's just kind of bumbling. And he gets this great monologue at the end of the movie that they play for a joke. It's so great. There's just really solid jokes. Channing Tatum's amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. He gets a tap dance number that's so good. Ray uh, Fine is great in this oh, movie. What, what part does he play? He plays this British director who is directing this Broadway play that's about these very posh British people. And he has to deal with they lost their lead actor and they got this bumpkin like southern cowboy actor to come in and play (laughs) this role and so he's trying to direct him but it's kind of like the italian scene in inglorious bastards i love that scene yeah so the he's got this line that he has to say which is would that it were so simple and this bumpkin guy is just like would that it were so simple and there's it devolves into like (laughs) ray fine trying to tell him how to say the line and him trying to repeat it back at him the way Ray Fine tells him to repeat it and it's hilarious. And there's a little bit of irony. Yes. That's awesome. Yes, it's so great. Uh, That scene could have been a whole movie and I would have watched it. I I could have watched that go on for hours. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's worth the price of admission for that scene alone. That scene is, it's the funniest thing I've seen in a movie all year, for sure hands down oh it's so great <laughs> but yeah it's it's a really good movie i mean it's a coen brothers movie so you, you you're should, in for quirky. yes you should know what you're getting into with a coen brothers movie and it also should let you know whether or not you'll like it mm. um once again it's a coen brothers movie so it's multi-layered i feel like i need to see it again because i watch their movies and i go that was great what was that about <laughs> much like no country for old men did um you know that movie ended and i was like that was amazing what happened (laughs) they're the only filmmakers that i know of that make me go i didn't understand that and it was my fault (laughs) (laughs) i understood hail caesar a little bit more than i usually do their movies on the first watch like inside lewin davis i was like god got nothing i gotta Mm. see this crap a second time i have no idea what just happened but this one I understood more, and I just look forward to just kind of discovering it a little bit more each time I watch it. it I, I I could watch it right now again. Nice. It was, and we just watched it last night. It's great. Um, yeah, I think that's all I watched. It was a pretty busy week, actually. I've been trying to get caught up. I went to visit Redbox the night I rented Green Room and saw like six or seven things that I did not know were out yet. Yeah, what was that? Um, it was like The Lobster is out. Ooh, um, that one looked interesting. Yeah, Miles Ahead is out. The Don Cheadle, Miles Davis biopic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That he directed which co-stars Ewan McGregor. Uh, Midnight Special is out. I've never heard of that one. It's, um, do you know that movie Mud with Matthew McConaughey? Yes, I've heard of that one. It's the same director as Mud, same writer and director. It's got Michael Shannon in it, the guy who okay. plays Zod. Um, yeah. And it's supposed to be this kind of original superhero thing. 
Really? Yeah. It got a lot of comparisons to like an early, like an Amblin movie, like an early Spielberg. Okay. A lot of people are saying that if you loved Stranger Things, you should go visit um, Midnight Special. Okay. I liked Mud well enough. I'm interested to see what Midnight Special holds. I'll probably be watching that this week, mm-hmm. but we'll see. Um, I think there's this movie called Sing Street coming out this week or sometime soon that I heard is excellent. It's from the guy who directed Once, which I love. Ooh. Yeah, although he also directed Begin Again, which I loathed. So It's a 50-50 shot. Yeah, so it's a 50-50 shot. It's about these, like, 80s kids in England. Yeah, I heard, I I saw the trailer, like, a bajillion times. It looked really good. I I haven't even seen a trailer for it, but I heard, like, I keep hearing it. Oh, that was amazing. And this film discussion, um... Facebook group that I'm in, I posted in there like, oh man, I saw Hail Caesar last night and it was great. It was like, like, I can't believe more people aren't talking about it. What are some overlooked movies from this year that you think, you know, haven't gotten the recognition they deserve? And there were like two or three comments that were like, uh, Sing, Sing Street is Sing Street. really good. So I'm looking forward to see that. I've been tr- kind of checking Redbox religiously looking for that. But yeah, yeah, I've just kind of been trying to play catch up. I don't know this much stuff that passed me by this year. <laughs> so it was, it was real weird, but yeah. Um, so that's expect more stuff like that in the coming Mm -hmm. weeks as I get caught up. Um, all right, let's talk some news. So this week we saw the debut of the new Christopher Nolan trailer. Mm -hmm. It's a trailer for a movie called Dunkirk. It's a World War II movie. So we are talking, uh, two World War II movies back to back weeks from two very well established and, uh, critically acclaimed directors. Mm Mm-hmm. Dunkirk follows the story of a group of guys who fell under attack in World War II, and uh, there was this big rescue mission to get them out, or they saved themselves. I don't actually remember the plot of the movie. The, the, well, the historical plot, because mm-hmm. I talked to a friend of mine about it, because I don't know history that well, apparently, uh, is they were evacuating people from Britain as Germany was bombing them. Mm-hmm. And the story, from what I understand, is uh, it's uh, these guys... Uh, this unit protecting the civilians on the water. Okay. Uh, hopefully that's somewhat correct. If it's not, please forgive me. But I do know it was one of the most important battles for Britain. Okay. If they had lost there, would have been bad, bad. Right. So we got the first teaser trailer, and boy, is it a teaser trailer, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, I'm I'm way more on board because I feel like teaser trailers are becoming full trailers nowadays. Yeah. But Mini movies. yeah, there's not a lot to go on. That being said, what do you think about Dunkirk so far? I'm really intrigued. I love me a good World War II movie or a war movie period. Um, but I think for Christopher Nolan particularly, it seems like a bold shift from yes. what he's done in the past. I mean, everyone's known him for the Batman movies, the Inception, Interstellar. What was the last one he did? Interstellar. Oh, Interstellar. Yeah. So, and those have been hit and misses from my understanding. I haven't seen the last ones. Oh, okay. But this seems like, all right, I'm doing something that's maybe a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I think he's challenging himself, and I think that's what a good director does. I want to try something different and see how I can make it work. Yes, I agree completely. Um, One of the things Christopher Nolan consistently gets criticized for is being kind of emotionally cold. Um, it's that, that the, the, the relationships and emotional beats in his movies don't necessarily hit that well because he doesn't know how to frame them. I tend to agree with that criticism. I felt that a lot in Interstellar. It made Interstellar an 
arduous experience for me mm. because the movie's almost three hours and I did not connect to any of these characters. Um, you know, there's a big emotional moment in Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey and his son, played by Casey Affleck, and I did not care because they did not set him up as a good father. Mm. He only cares about his daughter at the beginning of this movie, and the emotional moment is not him realizing that he only favored his daughter while he was on Earth. It's just, I miss my family, but not really reconciling the rest of that. So, mm. also, there's a character in the movie that's named Coop Cooper. That's crappy. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, in that same emotional scene, they, his son is like, yeah, I had a grandson, or I, I had a son, you got a grandson now, dad. I named him Coop after you. Except, uh, Coop is Matthew McConaughey's last name, which is short for Cooper. So. Coop Cooper. Yep. So Casey Affleck named his kid Coop Cooper. Coop Coop. <laughs> That's so once that ha- like that took me out of the movie completely as soon as he said that I was like hold up that's his last name I'm sorry I'm just thinking like breakfast morning hey cuckoo you want some cocoa puffs <laughs> it just fits so perfectly it really does I got nothing <laughs> sorry so with, with with all that including Coop Cooper and his cocoa puffs and Coop Cooper being cuckoo for his cocoa puffs <laughs> Dunkirk is a World War II movie, which means it's based off a true story. Um, Unless you're Quentin Tarantino, you don't make up stories about World War II. (laughs) And I think that's really good, because I think Christopher Nolan likes spectacle. And that's good. Mm. Uh, You know, that's part of what movie making is, is spectacle. Uh, Inception is all about the creation of spectacle. Mm. uh, it's, It's all about the creation of spectacle in service of giving someone a different perspective. Um, you know, a lot of people view Inception as a metaphor for filmmaking and the filmmaking process. I'd agree with that. <laughs> with that, all this spectacle and entertainment value should be built into the actual facts of the story. Mm. That frees him up to not have to focus on putting together all these set pieces and coming up with these creative battles and things to stage to where he can focus on his characters and focus mm-hmm. on his emotions. I think it's a really smart direction for him to go in. Mm-hmm. When you watch his movies, it's plainly obvious that the two biggest influences in his life are, as a director, are Stanley Kubrick and Steven Spielberg. The problem with that is those are two styles that don't marry well together because Kubrick is very technical and calculated and kind of cold. Spielberg is incredibly earnest. He wears his heart on his sleeve in everything. Mm. So trying to hit the balance between that is extremely hard. Mm. Although those aren't bad references to have. Those aren't bad influences to have. Just trying to make those styles fit into each other is not the easiest thing. And also, I think we've noticed with Nolan, as his movies have gotten bigger and longer, he's lost a lot of that. He's aired more on the Kubrick side. But you can still feel the the longing for that Spielberg earnestness in it. Mm. And... I just think I just think the the bigger runtimes and the bigger budgets and the bigger spectacles have gotten in the way of that, you know. Something like Memento, which is this small tight little thriller, I feel every second of that guy's story. Yeah. 
something like The Prestige, I feel every second of that story, you know? Mm. But those are much smaller movies than something like Inception or The Dark Knight Rises or Interstellar. So this, I think this will allow him to do something on this big grand scale while also kind of uh, being able to to get into these characters a lot more and and their relationships. Yeah, having a balance between seeing the, the, the macro vision of everything but still have the micro part of just these characters and how they're interacting in this huge uh, set piece. Yes. Yeah. And it looks great. Like just look visually, it looks amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm going to butcher this name, but I, uh, I'm not even going to try it. The guy who shot the Revenant is shooting Dunkirk. Oh. Yeah. I hate the Revenant, but that movie looks amazing. <laughs> So th- there's one shot near the end of, of this boat with this just full of guys, like as far as the eye can see, and it mm-hmm. looks amazing. He uses every ounce of real estate on that frame, and it looks gorgeous. Wow. I'm pretty excited for it. And that's one of Christopher Nolan's like super, super, super strong suits, is he can create so much hype out of nothing. Yeah. Do you remember that first Dark Knight teaser? That was just the Batman logo and some dialogue out of context. Yeah, I remember that. I was so pumped. I remember when the Dark Knight Rises released, there was a website that went up that was just black. And those guys chanting the oh, yeah. one thing. And that like... Yeah. Whether you like the movie or not, you yeah. gotta admit, that's a pretty sweet thing to do. Yes, yeah. So so Nolan's always been super talented at that. And I, I love Nolan. Um, I got a, a little bit of heat this week for kind of suggesting Interstellar was maybe just okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was weird. Um, but I, I, I really like Nolan. I just think that this movie is gonna make or break him in the eyes of a lot of his fans, myself included. Um mm. I'm not tired of him. I just, I really, he really needs to do something different. And I think you hit the nail on the head by saying it seems like he's challenging himself. And that's what a good director does. I think he's learning. Mm. Uh, And I think he experienced a lot of success really fast. You know, he was cranking out a movie every other year. Mm -hmm. And he's taken two years off, three years off maybe, um, to do this, to do Dunkirk. And so one of the other things I want to touch on with it is, uh, the cast for this movie. I don't remember all the cast off the top of my head, but the one that sticks out to me is, uh, Harry Styles from One Direction. Uh, I've heard of One Direction. So one of the guys from One Direction is in this movie. Is that cause for concern or cause for he's trying something crazy here? So what I'm thinking is Christopher Nolan has seen something in this kid that none of us have seen. Unless you're like a 12-year-old girl. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. But like one of the things you cannot fault Christopher Nolan with is casting his movies impeccably. Mm. And I think that he's going to continue that tradition in Dunkirk. He's given me no reason not to. So to make this, it doesn't feel like stunt casting of like, look at who we got. Yeah. It feels like he found someone. I don't think he's he would have just made that decision yeah. just to make it. We need some star power with this movie. Yeah, I mean Tom Hardy's in the movie. You know, mm. I, I think, I think he 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 auditioned him, and I think he was indiscriminate in the way he auditioned. And Harry Styles came in. He, you know, One Direction is broken up, 
and he wanted to pursue an acting career and no one saw him and was like you've got something mm. and is giving him a shot so i'm actually really looking forward to the guy from one direction being in a christopher nolan movie <laughs> because i trust nolan so much to cast his pictures very well yeah um yeah it's a it's a solid teaser i'm excited for it um, yeah i think it'll be good yeah yeah, it's, it's an interesting story for sure and one that I don't think, um, you know, I, I think we get a lot of World War II movies about America mm-hmm. and not so much about the places that were being attacked, actually. Yeah, the places that had that have suffered far more, I mean, than America did. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back to talk about Pete's Dragon. Do, 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 do. Wait, wrong dragon. Is that the Jason Bourne theme? <laughs> That's just going to be my shtick from now on. <laughs> Meat and Potatoes this week is about Pete's Dragon. Mm -hmm. This is the second Disney reboot, remake, live action sort of thing that's come out this year. Mm. The first is The Jungle Book. Uh, You can go back and listen to myself and Corey Tindall talk about that in conjunction with the arguably first, arguably second um, in this line of remakes, Cinderella, the Kenneth Branagh Cinderella, which I don't know if you saw, Ryan... But it's great. Cinderella? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bought that right out the gate. It's so good. It's really good. Uh, Which leads into this conversation that you guys have heard us have before, but that was with Corey. This one's with Ryan. What do you think about these these live-action remakes that they're doing? They have a ton of them in the pipeline. Yeah. Well, I know Beauty and the Beast is coming out next. Mm -hmm. I'm sure Little Mermaid will Mm -hmm. hit. Um, I'm, I'm okay with them, actually. Like, I think it's not bad. You take, you know, the cartoons the old classic movies that people have loved for years and then you just make them into live action and you kind of add more to them like Cinderella you get a little bit more plot about what's going on with the evil stepmother Kate Blanchett's character so mm-hmm. you get a little bit more even though it's pretty much the same plot points that you hit in the that you hit in the cartoon you know it adds a little bit more and it's just kind of fun to see these characters in real life yeah so and it's disney so i'm i know they're gonna do their characters justice they're not gonna um mess it up too bad and i think they've done that pretty consistently so far because so far we've got cinderella jungle book. jungle book and then that's now, it and now pete's dragon and now pete's dragon yeah did you see jungle book I haven't seen that yet, but I've heard it was amazing. It's really solid. Yeah. It's a really... It's super easy to watch, mm-hmm. first of all, and it's super well... Just a well-made movie, man. Yeah. I think that's the thing that justifies that these movies should exist. Mm-hmm. Are they cash grabs? Mm, probably. Disney yeah. likes money. But they're incredibly well-crafted cash grabs. Yeah. And so because of that i can't fault them like as long as you make a good movie i don't care what you make yeah. i just want good movies yeah. you know and and so you know the, arguably this started with the tim burton alice in wonderland which is not that great mm. but i don't necessarily count that i think that was maybe it was maybe the litmus test but it did a lot of money it did very well for it disney did, it did well i think that was the way for them to get tim burton was he's like i want to do alice in wonderland mm-hmm. wasn't that the case basically yeah. like yeah. that was his only reason to be at disney yeah 
and uh, you know which is somewhere that he started he started as an animator at disney and um yeah i, I that movie is you know not great but it, it like i said it did well financially and mm-hmm. so it led them into that cinderella remake that kenneth branagh did which and i've told this story in the podcast before i didn't know kenneth branagh directed it until the movie was out for like two weeks really yeah oh, man and so he was the whole reason why i went and bought it like didn't, oh sight unseen yeah yeah absolutely i found out he directed it and i was like lead with that because i would have been there opening weekend Mm -hmm. i absolutely would have been there opening weekend because nothing sounds better than a marriage of kenneth branagh and cinderella yeah that sounds perfect and it's great it's a great movie it's really good it's a sweet story yeah yeah and he just he does it so well like just so kenneth branagh Mm -hmm. and then jungle book is so john favreau you know the the one of the best Marvel movies is Iron Man 1. Mm-hmm. Hands down, like, one of the top probably three Marvel movies even at this point for me yeah. is that first Iron Man movie. Partially because it's so important in the history of all of cinema. Yeah. Um, you, it, it, it changed the game. It affected the way movies are made and released and connected forever. Yeah. For better or for worse, um, yeah. as it were. But it had a massive effect on those things. A mass effect. <laughs> the video game. <laughs> yep. But it's super watchable. Yeah. That movie is entertaining beginning to end. And it's super well paced. I really love that movie. And John Favreau taking on the story of the Jungle Book and crafting the CGI landscape around it with all these CGI animals... And the mocap and and the voice actors he got to be in the mocap, it's really solid. It's a mm. really solid movie. It's the best CGI I think I've ever seen in a movie. It, mm. Avatar wishes it looked this good. <laughs> it's so incredible. Um, you know, the only thing, the only other thing I could compare it to were the Planet of the Apes, the new Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, I love those movies. Yeah, so they're much. so good. And you know, with Pete's Dragon coming out, it's a little bit of a weird one. Yeah. Pete's Dragon is a movie from the 60s. I yeah. want to say 1965, but I could be wrong. Something along those lines. It's... I don't know. When I, when I first heard this was coming out, I was both like, oh, sweet. I want to see the revamped version of it. But at the same time, who else but maybe a few people have heard of the original? Yeah, 1977. 1977, yeah. I mean... Yeah, I grew up watching the original. Like, I remember maybe... On a weekly basis, almost. Like, oh wow! It's a, it's a real cute kind of musical Disney movie. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's based off a novel. <clears throat> yeah, Excuse I don't me. know too much about the original Pete's Dragon. I watched it a bunch when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you a single thing about it as an adult. I watched it when I was a very young child, mm-hmm. and then The Lion King came out and just blew my mind, and that's all I wanted to watch. Yeah. But I, I remember seeing it a whole bunch when I was a kid. Um, this updated version is live action with a CGI dragon. Um, mm-hmm. You've got some star power in there. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Redford mm-hmm. and um, Bryce Dallas Howard and Carl Urban. Carl Urban. And it seems like a much different story. Yeah, um, from what I remember, the first one is set um, more in a swampy area. Uh, it's by the sea. By the sea. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's by the sea. And the lady that takes in Pete is a lighthouse owner, whereas mm-hmm. in this new one, she's a park ranger. Yes. Um, which I think works just fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they set it in 
the Pacific Northwest, so kind of the forests of Oregon, uh, which mm-hmm. makes sense. It's a very lush green area. If you're going to have a dragon, you probably want some tree coverage. Yeah. You don't want <laughs> helicopters to find him. Exactly. Uh, I think it's set in the Pacific Northwest. I'm not actually sure about that. <laughs> it, it looks like it. Yeah. But, I mean... It, with this being the third one of those and them doing two iconic ones before that, I mean, do you think it's a good idea to do pizza? I mean, I guess it's kind of the Suicide Squad argument of like, you know, we've got two iconic characters in Batman v Superman now and now this. we're going to the Suicide Squad immediately yeah. after. It's kind of that way with these uh, Disney reboots. You know, we've got two super iconic stories from them and then this kind of weird hybrid live action animated movie already from the 70s that yeah. you know was on Disney Channel a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of out of left field. I don't know, I think it's kind of a bold choice. I think it will appeal to those people who grew up watching it just like me and you. Uh but also kids who know nothing about it, the story is solid enough to draw in new o- to draw in a new audience. I'm I'm super excited for it actually. Nice. So you 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 are looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to because because the old one, if you remember, it's it's quaint, it's cute, but it definitely could stand some improvements. And I think yeah. this movie will do just that. It's going to be an improvement on a, a pretty simple story: uh, a boy looking for a home, and he finds his best friend who's a dragon. I mean, you find that in children's literature all over the place. So yeah. it's it's a tried and true method. But you like you were talking about, it's got the star power. It looks like it. I don't know who. I don't even know who the director is. I was just looking that up. It's a guy named David Lowry. Who the only I only recognize one of his credits. It's this movie called um, Ain't Them Body Saints. I've just heard of it. <laughs> heard I couldn't of tell you what it's about. I haven't seen a single shred of footage from it. But I've mm-hmm. heard of the movie. Okay. But yeah, this new one, I it looks really good to me. Like if anything, it's an improvement. Like I said on the old one, the CG, like it seems like the technology has caught up now to what they probably would have done back then. If that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Where yeah. Back definitely. then, cartoon having a cartoon in a live action movie was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, that was a, astounding. Oh my gosh, how'd they do that? Yeah, and it still looks pretty impressive from what I remember. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but I mean, it's I, been years since I've seen it. I but. watched a little bit of it now, and there's some parts I'm like, how the frick did they get him to climb up on the dragon and not look yeah terrible? You know, Disney magic. Yeah, I mean um, Mary Poppins even. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think that this will be good. Um, the trailer doesn't give a whole lot away, which I like, like we've talked about uh, already on, on the show. I think it could be, if it's good, it's going to be great. If it's not good, I think it's going to be bad. I think yeah. it's going to be no in-between with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's it's it does kind of make sense in this post how to train your dragon era you know how to train your dragon is one of the best animated movies of the new millennium mm-hmm. it's incredible i haven't seen the second one i've heard it's equally oh it's good. so good yeah i oh, heard it's so good it's really good but you know it, it seems like it also has to justify why pete's dragon needs to exist in this world where we have something as quality as how to train your dragon mm. it's essentially the same story yeah um you know more or less and 
I just, I think there's, like you said, this Disney magic to it that, you know, if Disney puts their name on it, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. Likely. Likely. Yeah. It's very few and far between. I mean, I didn't see Alice Through the Looking Glass, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and so with this slate that they have coming down the line, I, I guess it makes sense to, if you want to release two a year to do one big name one and then one little smaller one, you know, mm-hmm. maybe release a, um, like a Beauty and the Beast and a Sword in the Stone in the same Are year. they doing Sword in the Stone? They are doing Sword <gasps> in the Stone. It's not filming or cast yet, but one of the writers of Game of Thrones is writing the movie nobody can see this my jaw is hitting the freaking floor i'm so yeah. excited yeah or like a black cauldron i think a black cauldron movie would be crazy they need to do like the book series proper mm. that's a solid fantasy series yeah but um i did not know they're doing the sword and the stone yeah it's not there's not a ton of information out yeah. about it yeah just I'll, that it's in the docket yeah basically i heard one of the people from game of thrones on a movie podcast that i like and uh, he was like i'm writing sword and the stone for disney and that's all i've heard about it that works. Yeah, but I mean, I'm Game of Thrones, man. You know, it seems like they're getting quality talent. And as long as they keep investing in quality talent, these movies can keep existing in yeah. perpetuity, you know? Remake 101 Dalmatians again. If you can figure out a way to do a live-action CGI blend of The Lion King, go for it, you yeah. know? I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, that one seems a little weird Yeah. to, to do. All you know. animal cast. Yeah, Aladdin, let's have it. Why not? Oh, Robin Williams. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd have to go the unfunny route with the genie. You think so? I think so because anything else would be, I think, would be a disservice. Because you can't match that level. It's true, but if they got Hank Azaria, who does him in the Kingdom Hearts games, he's pretty good in those games, man. He's not spot on Robin Williams, but he's close enough. Close enough. I think I think you could do it. I think you could, could do, do a live it? action Aladdin. Yeah, uh, I mean they've got Mary Poppins two coming out, which <laughs> what? Yeah, Mary Poppins Returns. Um, but Julie Andrews is so old. Emily Blunt is going to be playing her. Oh crap! I love Emily Blunt. <gasps> do you hate Emily Blunt? <laughs> I don't hate her. Oh, we're about to throw down. <laughs> You've made me very sad. <laughs> no, I don't hate her. I just she. <laughs> I'm not gonna phrase it the way I was gonna phrase it. She just doesn't do anything for me. Mm. Like I don't, I don't hate her. Like mm. I'm not opposed to seeing her in movies, but I'm I'm not like oh Emily Blunt. Hell yeah, let's go see that. Yeah, um, it, yeah. It's Emily Blunt. Uh, Meryl Streep recently joined the cast. So Dang. yeah, and uh, my favorite, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. Yeah, the guy who did Hamilton is doing all the music. Or, well, I don't know if he's doing all the music. I would imagine he's doing all the music. Yeah. He's going to be basically the Dick Van Dyke role. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yep. And uh, I I can't imagine they wouldn't have him do the music for it. He's doing all the music for Moana, so... Can Emily Blunt sing? We'll find out, I guess. Because I saw uh, Into the Woods. Oh, yeah. And she was in that. Yeah. And that movie is insanely auto-tuned. Really? Like, to the point of annoyance. Oh. Like, I just sat there, and I'm a huge musical fan. Music, mm-hmm. musical My wife fan. hated that movie, by the way. Oh, yeah? Uh, me too. I didn't finish it. I got oh. into it. I got past the weird pedophile Johnny Depp part. Nope. I, got, I, said, I didn't see it. Yeah. I, I said, nope, I'm done. But, yeah, it was just all too fake singing for me. Like, none of it was legit. Yeah. 
So with with all this to kind of yeah. get us back to the the main topic, the Peach Dragon topic at hand, there it you know if it seems like we're meandering, it's not that we don't want to talk about the movie. It's that they've done a good job marketing it, and that mm-hmm. I don't really know yeah. anything about it. I couldn't tell you what the main plot is. It seems like you know Carl Urban is like, I want that kid. I'm the law. Um, <laughs> and he says that this movie's gonna be twenty times better. No, that's how Robert Redford sounds in this movie. <laughs> He's just like, you're the law. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, I think they've done a a very good job marketing it. I think they've actually undermarketed the movie um, Mm. to the point where I I, I got a text that was like, uh, is that movie still coming out this week? Or is it just really bad and Disney isn't marketing it that well? Or or what? You know, um, it does seem like the marketing is a little weird for it. And they're also... You know, Disney doesn't really need to release another movie this year because they have two Marvel movies, and Jungle Book, Star Wars, and a Star War, and Moana, an original animated feature, mm. um, you know, that they're marketing the crap out of right now. Yeah. I feel like Disney tends to do this sometimes, though. They release these movies that have these kind of big tentpole ideals, but they don't really market them that well. Hmm. Uh, I think Big Hero Six suffered from that. Yeah. Um, I think there were they didn't put enough merch out there before the movie got released, and then had to play catch up with it. Hmm. Um, I think actually Frozen they did that with, and like Frozen exploded. Yeah, because I feel like I didn't see Frozen marketed that much at all until it was a hit. Yeah. And then it just was this. I mean, we all know what Frozen is. You know, it was this this mass hit, and. You know, it was this phenomenon, but I don't remember seeing a, a whole ton of stuff about the movie before it came out. I can remember the teaser trailer that came out mm-hmm. before the movie, and it was with uh, the snowball guy. Olaf. Olaf and the uh, reindeer. Yeah. And that it was, was it like, for the teaser. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, but then later, like, I gotta go see this movie. Yeah. And it's, so, it's a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's obviously overplayed for anyone over the age of four. Let but, it go. Yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a solid movie. You know, um, Disney has this level of quality that they've been knocking out of the park. And as long as they keep it, um, I'm plunking down my, my you know, seven, eight bucks. Mm-hmm. To go uh, see it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, I don't know what to expect out of Peace Dragon. I hope I like it. My expectation is I think I'll like it. I think... Uh, just based off the trailer and based off what I've seen and what I know and what I knew about the original and what I can see they're doing with this, I think it'll be... it'll. I'm planning on getting the warm fuzzies. Yeah. Yeah, I think if they get that experience of a boy and his dog, not the actual movie A Boy and His Which Dog... Which is amazing if you want to die. Um, but the, the the just the feeling of, you know, a kid and his pet, you yeah. know, as it were. Uh, you know, I think... I think it's a very common experience, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, the kid's an orphan. It kind of looks a little bit like the forest book instead yeah. of the jungle book. Yeah. You know, he's, he's kind of wild because he has this lack of family. You know, it's that man's best friend aspect of it. Yeah. I also think that the, the, the movie is not going to end with Pete's dragon dying as is such a, it's such a cliche to have the dog die at the end of a dog movie yeah. just to manipulate you into crying because, yeah. like, no one likes it when a dog dies. Yeah. I don't think Pete's Dragon would stoop to that level. It doesn't seem no. like it. And I, it would be ridiculous, I think, if yeah. they if they just put down this dragon at the end <laughs> of the movie. So, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it being this sort of 
boy and his pet tale without the sort of manipulate i mean it's all manipulative like that's that's what we go see movies for is to be manipulated but without this heavy-handed manipulation of your emotions of having him lose the dragon yeah um so yeah i mean it looks pretty well acted i don't bryce dallas howard has some apologizing to do to me yeah because of jurassic world Uh. (laughs) and spider-man 3 yeah. When Stacy. Yeah. So we'll see how she goes, but I mean, Carl Urban and Robert Redford look really good in it. Yeah. Um, and that one guy who's in all the indie movies, I don't know his name. He's the guy that's talking to her in the trailer about um, stuff. He was in Four Feathers. Heath Ledger. No. <laughs> the guy that got blinded. Oh, gosh. I saw the movie so long ago. <laughs> I think he was in American Beauty. Chris Cooper? Uh, or maybe. Wes Bentley? The guy from The Hunger Games? Uh, the guy with the beard? Yes. From The Hunger Games? Guy. Yeah, Wes Bentley. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, I mean, he's a decent actor. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes with Pete's Dragon. I'm looking forward to talking about it. I think we'll have a lot to talk about on, yeah. the, uh, on the other side of it. Yes. Um... Yeah, do you have anything else to say about Pete's Dragon? Um, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a worthwhile view. Uh, I don't anticipate hating it. Um, I probably won't be like my top ten movie of the year. Yeah. But it, I, I anticipate going and having a good time with this movie. And I think that's that's its job. And if it does that, perfect. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that statement fully. Um, as always, you can find me on the internet at MJSmith891 on Twitter. You can find us at the Before and After Show on Facebook. Our main hub is thatrealperspective.blogspot.com. Um, that's that R-E-E-L perspective.blogspot.com because we like to be cute. <laughs> and, you know, you can find us on YouTube. Subscribe over there. You can find this podcast over at iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Beyond Pod if you're an Android user. We're working on getting it over on the Google Play podcast podcast platform uh it should be up there soon ish i don't have uh, uh really any sort of a set date mm. yet on that um email the show before and after show at gmail.com and until next time go watch a disney movie i can show you i didn't have a good ending <laughs> <laughs>